0: So it's one thing to hear uh, uh, the voice from God and to say, okay, I've called you. And we have this inspirational moment that we're called to something. We're called to something great. We know it's gonna be awesome. We have a little glimpse of what that is. That's one thing. It's another thing when those fears start coming, but it's an entirely different thing to stand firm in the face of fear, adversity, and everything that, that could trouble us and to know that we are going to accomplish what God put us on planet Earth to do. If you have your bibles turn to mark chapter 4 and jump down to verse 22 and that's where we're going to start today it says this for the hidden for nothing is hidden except to be revealed nor has anything been secret but that it will come to light all right so that's where it kind of starts that that nothing is hidden except it would be revealed nor has anything been secret that it will come to light now we're going to move on to a very familiar portion as we jump to Uh, Verse 23, it says, if anyone has ears, let him hear. We've heard that before. I think many of us who've run through this scripture. And he went on to say, and this is Jesus talking, he went on to say, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you even more, and it will be added to you. So there's this process that we're working through, Right? Everything that's hidden, everything that's hidden is gonna to come to light. Those buried things, those things that are in your heart that are deep and they're deep and they're in the recesses of your heart and they're buried, the Bible says they wanna to come to the light. A lot of times this is written and it's in a negative fashion, or it's read and it's in a, in a negative fashion. It's really kind of at a positive moment where Jesus was talking to people a lot like us and he's like, listen, there's things in your life that wanna to come to the surface. There's things in your life that want to come to the surface and to be revealed, but." but we have, to learn, we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to hear. We have to be active hearers to what God is calling us to. He says, when you start to be an active listener, pay attention to what you hear. And then he, starts, and then he says, start to measure what you hear. We're gonna talk about measuring what we hear at the, la- the very last thing we talk about. Before we end this series, I'm gonna wrap it up with an idea of measuring what you hear so you have good steps, practical steps to fulfilling what God's called you to do. But he says, once you learn to measure it, he said, there's going to be something added to it. There's going to be something supernatural added to it. So what's hidden wants to come to life. What's been hidden in your heart, what you've suppressed, what might have been suppressed by a parent, what may have been suppressed by a spouse, what may have been suppressed by a boss, what may have been suppressed by circumstances, that wants to come to light. There's still a real dream of your heart that's real. Even though you might not be living it, even though you might not be experiencing it, there's a dream in your heart that's real. It's real. It wants to come to the light. And then he says, listen, you've got to pay attention to what you're hearing and start to measure out, measure out those steps. Because as you measure it, God's going to add to it. That brings us to this idea that if the divine voice is silent, it's because there isn't an obedient ear to receive it. If we don't hear god's divine voice speaking to us it's simple god's waiting for our heart and our ear to be attentive and obedient so when he speaks we actually do what he says so when he says go we don't wonder and go well i wonder if god really means to go no he said go go do it do what he says to do it might look foolish it might look crazy it might look like the biggest step you're ever going to take in your life But the reality is we should move on what he's called us to do. Take that next step. So if the divine voice is silent, maybe it's because there are no obedient ears to receive it. If you're not hearing God's voice, we need to ask ourselves the question, is our heart prepared enough to be submissive, to be obedient to what he's called us to do? It's not an easy thing to ask. It's not an easy thing to walk in. This is part of of living out our purpose. That's probably the hardest thing. After we conquer some of those fears we talked about over the last little bit, after we recognize fear in any form is a liar and that we move past that and move to our destiny and the goal that has the the goal that God has for us, we can get stagnant because we heard something, but we didn't move, or we can get stagnant because God's been speaking and speaking and we don't want to take that next step. And now it feels like God's voice is silent silent you know it's funny when we and my, my wife and I have really good conversations and sometimes we have these just kind of knockout drag outs I want you to do this and I want you to do that do the, to do that we we're having one of those this morning about a totally irrelevant issue uh, but I remember she was asking me she said well how come you haven't brought this up before I said because last time I brought it up nothing happened you didn't do anything So why would I keep bringing it up again? And again, I'm not trying to rehash a fight because she's in the other room. So don't tell her I said this, (laughs) but the point is that we know even in our just average human communication that if somebody isn't listening to what we're saying, eventually we shut down. We stop asking. We're like, whatever, dude, I'm good. We'll wait. Hopefully you'll get the revelation. I'm right. Right. In most of our, in most of our conversations, See, I struggle at times with this idea of being an attentive listener. I struggle in in just, it's my makeup, it's who I am, right? I've had to overcome a lot to actually be an attentive listener. It's because I have a lot of good ideas. In fact, I'm a lot like Trump. I have the best ideas, right? (laughs) I don't wanna say that, but uh, you know, it was funny. (laughs) But I struggle so much at times with being that attentive listener, not just waiting for my turn to talk. In fact, it got so bad uh, at one point, and, and some, some of you will see me do this from time to time, and now you're gonna know why. It's my cue to shut up. But there are times where I've had to actually like put my hand over my mouth like I'm thinking. I'm not thinking. I'm just trying to tell myself, stop talking you're an idiot. Stop talking. Stop talking. Listen, listen. And it's hard for me. And I know for some of us, it's hard to be a real attentive listener. It's hard for us to to hear the voice of God or let alone somebody else's voice and actually soak it in and, 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 and ponder and to mill over what is being spoken. Some of us are really good listeners. Some of us are great listeners. You just don't take the next step. We can be on different, different wavelengths, right? Where we're great listeners, and we get all this information, and we really connect with people, but we just don't do. And others of us are do, 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 but because we do so much, we don't really listen. We don't think. We don't ponder. We don't take it in. And again, I find myself more in that camp. So many times, it's a difficulty just to learn to be an active listener, But the process of living out our purpose is like any other process in this life. We learn by listening. Listen, when when you are given math problems for the first time, my son is going through basic math, and he's doing a really good job of it. And they're doing addition and multiplication, and they're doing subtraction, not division yet. But when he learned first that... Two plus two is four. They told him the concept of numbers and number values and they used different items to teach the child what numbers mean and their number value. And then he got an idea and now he can see a number written on a piece of paper and it represents a value. And then when you add that to another number, now it comes to a sum total. He gets the concept, but it happened first through attentive listening. He didn't always want to listen. So what did they do? They put practice in front of him and said, write this down. Write this down. Two plus two is four. Two plus two is four. I'm glad I got it right. Two plus two is four. And he gets it right and more and more and more. And then he learns the concepts of addition. We all do this in our life, but some of us have become masters at cramming for the test, right? How many of you were like that in high school? Am I the only one? Dude, I love to cram. When I was in high, I loved to cheat when I was in high school, just to be real honest. So <clears throat> I, there's no teenagers in here, they all left, right? All right, they they cheat digitally now, so it's not fair, but I didn't have an iPad to cheat on. That would've been awesome. But I used to write down all the answers for the tests on the back of a little piece, square piece of paper, and stick it to the back of my tie so that when I was doing the the assignment, I could lean forward and read the paper from the backside of my tie. (laughs) That's how I would cheat. If I would have spent the time studying as I did trying to figure out how to cheat, I actually would have been a good student. But for whatever reason, I didn't do that. But many of us have learned how to cram and try to cheat for the test. And so what happens in life is we have this pattern of cramming knowledge, cramming information, maybe trying to weasel it around the system. And then when life happens in a real sense, and we go to God, and we're like, oh my goodness, I'm facing a real issue. What do we do? We start cramming. We turn on K-Love and start blaring all the worship music. Oh, we're into the worship zone, and we're praying, and we're reading scripture, and we're listening to our favorite favorite TV preacher, and we're going to YouTube and downloading one sermon snippet after another, and we're reading the next book, and we're cramming, 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 and we don't really learn anything. God's trying to bring us to a point in the process where we're learning, where we're developing, and we cram for a test, we get over that mountain, and we go, oh, thank God, that's done, and then we go back to normal behavior. That's not what God's called us to do in developing our purpose. In developing our purpose, he's he's much more specific in what he's asking of us. In fact, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says it this way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. There's a comma there, but it's really not meant to be there. It's a repetitive action that our faith is built, our faith is developed. The faith for us to inevitably do what God's called us to do and fulfill our purpose comes by hearing and hearing. As Susan said, there's a gentleman in our church, he's an elder in our church, Bill Munson, who Wednesday I got a phone call that said, he's bleeding from his brain. They don't know if they're going to be able to stop it. He's had a stroke. They were life-flighting him from Davenport to Iowa City. His wife was obviously in tears and in shambles, didn't know what to think. And there was a lot of faith in this room in that moment, specifically out in the hallway. I had just gotten an opportunity to spend the morning with a pastor friend of mine. We had prayed together. We had talked to each other, built each other up. I mean, I was full of faith, man. And by the time I got on the road, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm getting full of faith, and I'm really trying to motivate myself so when we get to that hospital, we can pray, we can believe God, we can activate what's on the inside of us. There were others praying and doing the same thing. The moment I hit that hospital, I prayed with everything I had, I gave everything I had that day, and the next day I didn't have an ounce of faith left. Everything I had was spent that first day. And I had to do everything I could the next day to recharge to refire, i had to do everything i could to hear and to hear for faith to develop i had to do everything i could in the pattern to hear and to hear to develop to deposit to grow in my faith so that when life happens i'm not just cramming for a test see so many of us have gotten in the habit of cramming and trying to cheat the system and trying to, trying to weasel our way around the system and try to cheat so that we can just get over the next mountain rather than, rather than succumbing to the process. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what Jesus is speaking. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what Christ is speaking. We need to understand that in our faith life, it's not a singular activity. It's a process that develops and that grows us. It's a continual action of hearing the words of Christ. The process for living out our purpose, again, is like learning anything else that we learn. It's a repetitive process that brings us to a place of understanding. It's a repetitive process that brings us to a place of development. When we started this church, 12 people in the back of the YMCA Uh, We were playing songs off my iPhone, no words, no lyrics, no, no, no screen projection. One microphone with a really long cord connected to this really, really grungy sound system. And all, and all we had was a microphone, a few songs that we played before service. And man, I thought that was it. I thought this is cool. This is awesome. There's actually people coming to hear what we have to say. There's folks that want to connect. It could never get any better. And then it started to get better. More and more people started to come. More and more folks started to join and connect. But all of that happened because we took a step of faith that said we're gonna do something with what God's implanted in our heart, in our life. It didn't look like it should work out. It didn't look normal. It didn't look like it was a practical step at all. But God said, go and do. And so we stepped out and we did. Doesn't mean I quit my day job. I still had a day job working at a car dealership down the road here. I still had to make ends meet. I still had to bring in the, the necessary funds for our family to, to work and, 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 to, and to, to, to live off of, but that didn't stop us from doing what God's called us to do. See, I think too, many of the, too much of the time, folks don't jump into what God's called them to because the barrier is the in-between. The barrier is the process of learning. The barrier is the process of development. And we go, God, I wanna get from point A to point B, and we forget the journey is really what matters. Jesus wrote of this, and he said in Matthew chapter 11, and verse 29, he said, listen, you need to learn of me. You need to learn how I do things. You need to learn how I operate. You need to learn how I act. He talked about the idea of purpose, and he says, learn of me. As we connect with him, as we get to know him, as we listen to him, as we obey him, the purpose of our life starts to develop more and more. That's the hearing and the hearing of the words of Christ. That's the repetitive nature of depositing in your heart the word of God to give you a firm foundation for what to stand on in regarding your purpose. See right now, this big old piece of cement that I'm standing on, everyone knows it's secure. Nobody walked in the room today like, I wonder if this pad of cement will hold me. And unless there's an earthquake, which is not likely gonna be one in the Quad Cities, unless there's an earthquake, there's no natural phenomena that's likely gonna move this concrete. We would have to bring in big bulldozers and wrecking balls to get it to move at all. To get it to move just an inch would take a huge fleet of trucks and men just to move this thing a little bit because we understand the foundation is firm. In our own lives, that's what our purpose is once we've heard from God and once we've done the, done the due diligence of hearing and hearing and hearing to understand our purpose. It becomes a, fir- a firm foundation. It becomes a sure footing that we can hold to. If you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah in chapter 45 and verse nine, and this is one of, those, one of those scriptures that really goofs up a lot of people in regard to purpose. It says, woe to him who quarrels with his maker. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth with the clay, clay, will the clay, I'm sorry, let me do that over again. Woe to him who quarrels with his maker, an earthen vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing that you are making, will it say he has no hands? This is a great scripture for us to understand our purpose and our goal and our destiny in life. God's gonna to speak to you as you run through the process of hearing and hearing, developing faith, understanding his purpose for your life, God's gonna to speak to you. It's not our job to stand back and say, I don't like what you're making. And by the way, I don't think you're a very skilled craftsman. This scripture is literally talking to an artisan who's making a clay pot, he's spinning it on the wheel and the pot doesn't get to say, the clay doesn't get to speak back to the craftsman, I don't like what you're making. And the clay pot does not get to speak, the clay pot does not get to speak to the artisan and say, you don't have any hands. You're not very good at what you're doing. Yet oftentimes we look at the process of our life and what do we say? God, what are you making? What are you doing? God, I don't like the way this is working out. I don't like the way you're fashioning me. I don't like the process that I'm going through. It's not our job to say to the the maker, I don't like how you're doing this. It's our responsibility to be molded. It's our responsibility to stay on the wheel and allow his hands to carve us, to move us, to manipulate the clay, to even when it hurts and even when it's hard to cut off things that don't need to be there because the tendency is for us just to stay stagnant. The tendency is for us just to stay the way we are. So we have to ask the hard question once we get through the process, once we're milling through the idea of what God's called us to do, we have to ask the hard question, how is your destiny and your destination becoming complete? Because that's what it's all about. Purpose is really all about destiny and destination. Destiny is the divine event of your future self the moments in time that god has called you to fulfill and that only you can fulfill your destination is divine placement that god is sending you to it's places and spaces that god is calling you to listen there are places and spaces that god is directly calling you to there's also divine moments in time that god is calling you to they're not so regional they're not so specific As places and spaces, they're just kind of being who you are at any given moment and allowing God to work through you. But there are other moments where God says, I want you here at this time at this moment. And sometimes it doesn't look like what you think it would. I remember when we were starting the church and I was uh, down here in the street at the dealership. And I wondered, and I I really thought often, God, why would you have me work at a car dealership? This is craziness. People already don't trust a pastor, let alone one that sells used cars. Come on. this ain't going to work. And I was really frustrated with the idea for a while until I looked back at the pattern that had developed. Folks would come in and we would sit down, they'd talk about a car and I'd go through the whole rigmarole of trying to help them buy a car. And inevitably they'd ask, hey, how did you get to the point of selling cars? And I'd say, well, it's just a temporary thing while we're starting this church. Oh, you're starting a church? That's cool, tell me more about it. It gave me the opportunity to rehearse the vision and mission of our church almost every single day. God put me in that place so that through development, through development of rehearsing the mission and vision of the church, that I would have a steadfast purpose in what I was doing when this church launched. So that we would have a steadfast purpose in knowing where God is taking us when we finally had our first Sunday. Even with 12 people, we knew where God was taking us because he took a year to embed in my heart through one customer after another, the mission and vision of the church. It took a lot of learning, a lot of working, a lot of wondering. God, why am I in this process? What are we doing? What's going on? And he was fashioning a mission and a vision. The second thing that he did was allowed me the opportunity to live in a space where people are just people. Man, you ever been to a car dealership or have you ever worked for one? Folks are just people. There's no pretense. Guys come in there to do their job and they're not there to rip you off. They're just trying to get their job done, provide food for their family. But they're there, they're real. Any hangups that they have, they bring right to the table. There are no pretense. Nobody tries to cover or hide anything. And I got to work with some real people, some real folks, salt to the earth kind of folks, and really connect with them on an individual level. That helped me so much in preparing for where God would take us to sit behind a desk and to counsel with people and to hear all kinds of craziness and to recognize these are just people like anyone else that God loves, that he died for, that he cares for, that he's developing a purpose in their heart. But there was a reason for it. There was a reason for my destiny and my destination in that moment. Now my destiny and my destination have moved on to other points in times, to other locations but it doesn't mean that God doesn't have something further for me in the future. We forget that our destiny and our destination is always moving. God isn't moving the goalpost, but he's expecting you to accomplish something. And then once you've accomplished it, to put more of that purpose, that divine element of his purpose into your life, to expand your vision, to expand your horizon, to do more with what he's given you. Again, in Mark chapter four and verse 23, if any of you has ears, let him hear. Understanding your destiny and destination is all about hearing. It's all about that process of being an active listener, to hear what God's called us to, and to hear where he's moving us to, excuse me. Purpose grows to perfection when it's held fast and it's heard purpose our purpose in life grows to perfection when it's held fast i know what i'm called to do i'm gonna stand in it i'm gonna live in it i'm gonna i'm not going to be moved by anything when it's held fast and it's heard I heard you, Lord. I know what you've called me to. I'm going to stand in that until you say something different. But until you say something different to my heart and to my spirit, I'm not moving. I know what I'm called to. God, until you make a shift, until the winds change, until the Holy Spirit blows again, I'm not moving a foot. I know what you've called me to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 says it like this. Therefore, my beloved brother, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. We're gonna have moments where we are challenged in our purpose to feel as though what God's called us to is in vain, that what we're doing is in vain. It's not working, it doesn't look right. God, I just can't seem to get ahead. What's going on? God's saying, listen, you hold fast. You hold fast, my brethren. be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord and the work of the Lord is what he's called you to. It's not about, this isn't about preaching the gospel from a pulpit. This is about you fulfilling the destiny and purpose that God has for you. That when he's called you to that work of the Lord, it's about being steadfast and movable. Even when it looks hard, even when it's difficult, even when it looks like you're spinning your wheels. This is about total fulfillment. Fulfillment. Instant, total fulfillment of what God's called us to is about being steadfast and immovable. You will feel more fulfilled when you don't waver. You will feel more fulfilled when you don't move as the wind moves and something tries to knock you off. You will feel more fulfilled when you don't give in to temptation and fear than at any other point in your life because you know what you're called to do. Now, taking control of life in this in this dimension sounds difficult and hard. It's one of the easiest things in the world. I'm gonna ask you this and I'll I'll, I'll explain how easy it is. It's one of the easiest things in the world to do. Remember back to when you were just like a heathen. I mean like completely like off the rails, partying every night, just getting wasted drunk. I mean just, you know, just partying it up. Maybe that's not everybody, maybe that's some people. Don't raise your hands, I don't need to know. (laughs) But maybe there's this time where you were just, man, you're in that party scene big time. And what happens? One o'clock calls. You've already been to one party and a friend calls and says, hey, dude, there's this, there's this epic rage around. It feels like I'm from the 90s now. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> you can tell I dated myself. There's this big party going on. You got to come out, man. You got to come out. And you're like, man, I'm tired. I've been up too, long, too late this week. I don't want to do it. Hang up the phone. Nah, no big deal. And you go, on with your, you go on with your night. You don't want another night of three in the morning and not knowing where you're at. You don't want another night of of being hung over the next day. So you just pass, hard pass, I'm gonna pass on that one. You know, that's how easy it is to stand firm in what God's called you to. Even in a heathen, drunken state far from God, we know how to resist and to stand firm. We know it even in the party scene, when we're pressured from all kinds of outside influences, when we're pressured from all kinds of bad influences, we know how to say, nah, I just need some sleep. Yet when it comes to spiritual things, we make it difficult. When it comes to spiritual things, what do we do? Oh, 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 the devil's coming at me. No, stand strong. Resist. Stand firm. Tell him no. Get a backbone just like you did when you were partying and you didn't want to go out another night. Stand firm and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to the fear. I'm not going to be moved from my purpose. I'm not going to allow you to adjust what God has called me to. It's pretty simple when it really comes down to it, but we've made it much harder than it needs to be. James, James chapter four and verse seven says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is what I'm talking about, taking control. Submit first to God, submit to his purpose and his will for your life. Stand firm in knowing what you're called to. Then when fear comes, resist, No. No, when temptation comes to do something different than what God's called you to, stand firm. No, resist. When you hear those words from your past that tell you you can't be what God's called you to be, when you hear the words from your past telling you you can't fulfill what God's called you to fulfill, stand firm. No, I'm submitted to the will of God. I know what he's called me to. I'm gonna stand firm and resist. Just like those calls to go out on on Friday night at one o'clock in the morning, when you've already had too much anyway, just like that call that you resist, that text message you resist, sure, he's gonna fire back. All your buddies do it. Come on, man, just one more night. Come on, man, just one more party. Come on, come out with us just for an hour. And so many of us are strong enough, even in a drunken state to say, nah, it's not good for me today. I'm good, I'll pass. The same thing happened to Jesus when he was in the wilderness and he was being tempted. The devil came, tempted him once. The devil came, tempted him a a second time, then a third time. He resisted each and every time, and eventually he wasn't tempted anymore. The same thing's true for us. The same is true just like it is of those text messages at two in the morning that we can stand firm and say, no, no, they might push back. Fear might come again. Anxiety might hit you again but you can just stand firm, as the Bible says, resist, nah, I'm good, hard pass. We forget that it's that simple to take control of the process of developing our purpose in our life and not failing and not falling prey to fear, to anxiety, to worry, to whatever. With your purpose in mind, we must The submit and resist. We submit to what God's called us to. We submit to the hearing. We submit to the process. We submit to him measuring out our life so that we can be what he's called us to be. We submit to that. And then we resist anything to the contrary of what he's called us to. We just stand firm, strong and resist. I don't care what the finances say. I know what he called me to. I don't care how I feel today. I know what he called me to. I don't care how pushed I am. I don't care where it comes from. I know what he's called me to. We love, this is part of the problem with how we deal with our purpose. We love end results. God loves the process. We love end results, right? We love the quick fix. We love the microwave. We love the drive-through. We love the end result. God loves the process because in the process, there's faith. The process is where the faith happens. End result, it's just the end result. You got what you asked for. Faith builds and develops and, and lives in the process. As I said before, we had, a, we had an elder who had some health issues this week and had a severe um, uh, stroke. Now, Bill is already walking, he's already talking, he's already using both sides of his body, literally a miracle, absolutely, give it up. But in that, in his, in his recovery, right? In his recovery, there's a process. Now, Bill would like to be hundred percent instantly healed. And when he is, the faith for that healing is done. He's healed, right? If he can't move his mouth because of the stroke and formulate words, the moment he can, the moment that happens, you don't go back and wonder and worry if you're gonna have another stroke, you know you're healed. Faith has come. It's accomplished the task. It's over. You don't have, you don't, you're not developing faith for that anymore. The struggle of life is where faith lives. The struggle of the process is where faith is developed. We wanna get to the end result, and God wants us to get what we're seeking, but he's more interested in the gap. He's much more interested in the process because the process is where faith develops for you to go through another process. The the process is where faith develops for you to take another mountain. The process is where faith develops for you to get stronger bigger and better than you ever were it's kind of like working out with weights anyone that's done that knows that you start with a certain number of weights maybe you start with a 10 pound dumbbell and it's everything you can do to curl it and over time you add five and it's 15 and over time you add another five and it's 20 and eventually you get up to some of those big weights and 50 and 60 pound curls they're real heavy and they're real big but what happened over time you added more pressure you added more pressure you added more pressure Through the process, you developed a muscle that is now able to lift something you couldn't lift before. In our faith life, it's the same way. We develop the muscle of faith that draws us to our purpose. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. There are so many of us who don't know how to do this. It's good preaching, but I got no idea how to practically do it once I walk out the door. I'm gonna help you with that today. There's a process that if you apply to your life, I promise you will change your life for 100% forever forever. It will change your life if you stick to it. It's a process that Lori and I have done for some time. It's a process of prayer. I can't get into the specifics of what kind of prayer it's called and why. That doesn't even matter. I don't need to go through the history of prayer, but it's simple. It's about writing down what you're called to. You know your purpose. Maybe you have a vague idea. God's called me to be the best mom in the world. That might be a vague idea of what God's called you to. Fine, write it down. Then write down what it costs. Well, I'm gonna to read to my children every night. I'm gonna spend time packing their lunches for school. Write out what it's gonna cost you. Maybe God's called you to a business. God's called me to start business X, awesome. He's called you out to do something. What's next? I need to read a few books on how to run a business. Write it down. I need to figure out how to get a business loan. Write it down. You write it down and whatever those goals are, whatever that purpose is that God's called you to, you repeat out loud with your mouth, so you can hear it every day, every day, at least two times a day. You say it every day, two times a day with the emotion as if it's already happened. So you say it like this, God, God's called me to be the best mom in the world. I have the best stinking kids ever. My kids are a joy. They're awesome to be around. These kids are amazing because that's what God's called me to do, to help fulfill their life. And you internalize and you emotionalize that ask. Over time, you will force yourself, you will force through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit activating on the inside of you, you will force yourself to do what you put on that paper. And the more you rehearse it over and over and over again, you will not be able to escape it. The Bible says write the vision and make it plain. This is what we're talking about. The Bible says without vision the people perish. This is what we're talking about. So many folks float through life because they've never written anything down. They've never gone after something with a purpose. They're just trying to to get to retirement age and pay off a house and send a few kids to college. All good things, but you can have bigger and loftier goals than that. You can do more than that if you'll make a plan and a purpose, if you'll have managed steps, and I promise God will add his spirit to it. He said he would in the scriptures that we read today, that if we will plot out, if we will measure it out, that he'll add to it. This is the process of plotting it out. I'm surprised at how many, how many Christians don't confess daily what they're believing for their life. I'm surprised at how many Christians go through life and they're not confessing daily what they believe God's called them to. If he called you healthy, write it out. We're healthy, free from sickness. Amen. Write it out, believe it, say it, speak it, emotionalize it, internalize it. It will change your life so fast but we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid at times to write it down. We're afraid at times to pen it out on paper because we're fearful for the what if. What are are we being responsible to? What are we being responsible for? What if it doesn't happen? Let let, let me answer that question for you. Let's say you have a big lofty goal. You're You're gonna develop this company. It's gonna make $20 million over the next 20 years. You really believe that's what God's called you to, $20 million revenue every year and the end of 20 years. Let's say you hit 70% of that, 70%. You didn't really hit the goal, 70% of it. How many of you are gonna be mad that you're a millionaire? How many of you are gonna be mad that you succeeded to that level? What if you hit 50%? You didn't hit 10 million, or 20 million a year, you hit 10 million a year. 50% of your goal, how many are gonna be upset? It's kinda of like winning the lottery. God has given us an ability, a real, tangible ability to take the vision that he's given us, to write it down, to rehearse it with emotion. Again, it's, it's a type of prayer. It doesn't matter why I get into it, but for us to emotionalize, it, internalize it, and believe him for the outcome. It's not our job to pay for it all. It's our job to confess it, to believe it, to know it, to know what he's called us to, because once you do that, the winds and waves of life can come and you'll stand firm and say, I I got a passion, I have a purpose, I have a destiny, I have a destination. You're not knocking me off course. Financial storms can come. No, 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 no. You don't get to do that. You don't get to derail me because I have a purpose. I have a vision. I have a destiny. I have a destination. Relational issues can come. You're not going to derail me. I'm going towards my goal. I'm going towards my purpose. If we're to accomplish the purpose that God has for us in this life, we have to be so steadfast and immovable. But that comes because we're actively engaging that purpose every day. Every day, before you come back for trunk or treat tonight, I wanna encourage you, write something down. I don't care if the only thing you can write down right now is I'm gonna be the best manager of the people I oversee as possible. If that's it, fine, that's it. If your next thing to write down is I'm gonna be the best dad, best husband, I'm gonna be a better husband, maybe not even the best. I'm gonna be whatever, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. When Lori and I were dating, I had made a list of things that I wanted in a wife. And I had written this out four years before. And I'd gone through it for four years, I'd read it every day, believe in God, this is what I want. Two things on that list that she uh, does not have. She, doesn't have. she doesn't have blonde hair, she doesn't have blue eyes. <laughs> so God said, you can dye hair and get contacts. <laughs> but everything that mattered, that was substance, that really mattered, she embodied. The first job I had out of school, out of seminary, the the church we worked for had everything that I had written down four years before in a job description. I wanted to have a, a radio station, I wanted to have a TV station, and a grade school, and a high school, so that I could see how all of these things work. So that if God were to have us do any of these activities in ministry, I would at least have a base knowledge for how they run. So I said, God, I want all of these things. And I had an amount of money that I wanted to make. And I put that in that list. And I wish I would have asked for more because it wasn't very much. Well, I thought it was a lot, but it wasn't. First jobs, you know how they are. Everything in that list, everything in that list was embodied in the first job I got out of school. It didn't happen out of, by accident. It didn't happen just because I got lucky. It happened because I was focused like a laser. My purpose, I knew exactly my next destination and I knew my destiny would follow me and that I had, I, had to be, I had to be faithful to what he was calling me to. So I wrote it down, spoke it out every day for four years. Both of those things, wrote them down, spoke them out every day for four years. They both came true. Many things in our life are continuing to come to reality because we're involved in this process. This is the process of hearing and hearing, hearing and hearing. You are reminding yourself of your God-given purpose over and over and over, and it is drawing you towards it like a magnet. And there's nothing on earth that is a better process to help you be moved of the Spirit and to accomplish the purpose that God has for you. So I'm gonna challenge you today, jump jump into that process Write something down, put it on a sticky note, put it somewhere you're gonna rehearse it at least two times a day. Get with your spouse, find a vision for your life, find a vision for your marriage together and rehearse it with them every day. It will make you a better couple, it will help you drive yourself towards the purpose that God's called you to. This is how we accomplish the purpose and the vision that God has for us. It's simple, it's practical problem is we have to stay steadfast. We have to stay firm. We can't be moved.